This is The Cable. Big bid on 10-year treasuries over the last week. Is this just a political fight, some political theatre? A lot of people saying, no, thank you, step back. You're saying, get in, why? Your connection from the London market close to the US market action. It is too easy just to blame Brexit. Surely it can't be anything means bye, bye, bye. The Cable. An historic moment from which there can be no turning back. With Jonathan Farrow on Bloomberg Radio. Man, good afternoon, good afternoon to the beautiful city of London. I'm Charlie Pellet, and you are listening to The Cable Live on DAB Digital Radio. Jonathan Farrow will be back tomorrow in the air right now, flying back uh, from the UK to New York. Just gone 5 p.m. in the city of London, so let's bring you up to speed on what is happening with markets. We have got the Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ in the United States. They are all plunging today, second day of a two-day sell-off. European equities, my screen is full of red right now. FTSE 100 down 1.1% today. Kekkoran in Paris down 9 tenths of 1%. DAX in Germany down almost 1% today. The 10-year down 4.30 seconds. Zeal creeping up to 2.71%. Gold is down 2 tenths of 1%. 13.38 the ounce. Brent crude 68. 68 a barrel down 1.2%. And uh, West Texas Intermediate crude oil 64.34 down now by 1.9%. Let's get you up to speed on some of the top stories that we are following for you. Theresa May is frustrating European officials with her Brexit strategy. According to people familiar with the matter, the UK Prime Minister has been asking European leaders to come up with the ideas on what a post-Brexit relationship would look like. The EU has tried for months to get the UK to say what kind of relationship it wants after the split. Labour Party leader Jeremy Corbyn has told business executives he is keeping his options open on Brexit. According to one person at a meeting last night, Corbyn said the party would rule out nothing except for a second referendum. Among those who are attending, uh, who were attending were five people from the UK's big, busy, uh, biggest business lobbies. And the EU's top environment official is warning several member countries they face legal action if they continue to ignore the bloc's air quality standards. Well, we begin with one of our top stories. Bank of England Governor Mark Carney spoke with the UK Parliament's Economic Affairs Committee today. And joining us now from our London newsroom, we've got Tim Craighead, a senior European strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence, and Christine Aquino, Markets Live blog editor in London. Christine, I got to begin with you. Before we get to what happened today with the testimony, let's talk briefly about the markets. Broad-based sell-off in the US and Europe. Is there a common theme as to what's going on today other than the fact that my screens are red and stocks are dropping? <laughs> well, Charlie, interesting that you asked that because I was just noticing earlier today that both in the U.S. and Europe, the sell-off has really been led by bond proxies. And, you know, we've been seeing yield higher in the U.S. with the U.S. 10-year yield reaching that 2.7% threshold and getting ever closer to that 3% kind of pain level that a lot of people have been talking about. And, you know, while yields in Europe are not as high, they have been moving towards the same higher trajectory. And so we're seeing a very similar sell-off in, you know, these rate-sensitive sectors, both in the U.S. and Europe, that are really going to be hurt by higher bond yields and the possibility of bonds becoming more attractive than these stocks. Yeah. Tim Craighead, is it uh, really what it's all about, rising bond yields? Is that what you're seeing? Is that the view from Bloomberg Intelligence? I, mean, I think that's certainly 
part of it for sure. Um, I'd also go back with that old cliche of maybe it's better to travel than to arrive. And we're just getting into the crux of the earnings reporting period. We've had a massive momentum market across the board in most geographies, Europe lagging the U.S. most notably, uh, um, but still up. And, you know, a lot of that was anticipation of good fourth quarter earnings. And, you know, to a degree, we can talk about this more, but they're coming through. But it's still a case where, you know, you buy on the rumor and you sell on the news. Yeah, and you add to that higher rates and here you go. I do want to talk more about earnings uh, a little later on in the program. I also want to talk about the State of the Union address. Certainly a big deal for people in the United States. We talked to a couple of guests from London yesterday who said that the State of the Union address is essentially a non-event for UK and European investors. Christine Aquino, is that essentially a correct view of how the State of the Union is likely to be perceived tomorrow in Europe? Yeah, absolutely, Charlie. You know, there is a little bit of spectacle surrounding it uh, from an outsider's perspective here in uh, the UK and in Europe more generally. But beyond that sort of kind of fanfare that surrounds this event every year, there's really not much for investors in this region to hang their hats on in terms of concrete developments. You know, Trump's going to be talking about broad sweeping plans on infrastructure and immigration and all of that, which is, you know, it's good. It's Politically, it's something that that people will be tuning into. But then in terms of the concrete implications of those, we may not see them for months later, maybe even years. And so, you know, there's really not much incentive for investors to bank on those statements alone without any concrete follow up. Yeah, Tim Craighead, I'm, I'm guessing that you will be fast asleep, long asleep tonight as President Trump speaks. Uh, I, I will I will listen to the replay early tomorrow morning, I think. But I, and it is interesting, um, uh, the word concrete. Uh, I do think that it's the infrastructure thing that if anybody here is looking for it, it's that uh, in terms of, okay, you've done tax reform and now your next target is a big infrastructure plan. There's all sorts of, of, uh, of, of big ideas there. We happen to be pretty skeptical that any of these are going to be Im- implemented quickly uh, that will have an immediate impact. So, yeah, it's a lot of fanfare, and we'll see what substance comes out of it. And, and yet, though, no question, the United States so in need of infrastructure spending. I mean, one of the things as a guest, whenever I come to the United Kingdom, I got to tell you, whether I'm flying out of London City Airport, it's nice. Whether I'm flying out of Heathrow, yes, I know that people in the U.K. have no shortage of complaints about Heathrow, no shortage of complaints about Gatwick. All right, Gatwick could use some improvement. But by and large, would you guys agree, Christine, that UK airports are, for the most part, pretty, pretty darn nice? They are pretty darn nice, though my frame of reference is Singapore, which is probably in the league of its own. But yes, absolutely. Versus the US, I would rather fly out of Heathrow. Yeah, Tim, your sense when you fly back into JFK or or back into Newark or back into LaGuardia? I try to avoid like the plague flying into JFK. And and again, Christine has Singapore as a reference. I have Hong Kong as a reference, having been there for five years. And there is there is no reference. It's another world. And you know that said, you know I would totally agree with what you with what you alluded to. Uh, whether it's Luton, Stansted, Gatwick, Heathrow, there are four here just in London, and they're all 
generally speaking, better in terms of services and what you can do in the airport. Yeah, I can see the it's headline amazing. in the Express tomorrow. Uh, your Bloomberg employees rave about state of UK airports, when in reality, I'm sure everybody's <laughs> got their horror story. But I can just tell you, as an outsider, I am consistently impressed. All right, it's all we got relative. you. We, it really is. Anyway, we've got you guys on today to talk about uh, uh, Mark Carney and the testimony today. Uh, Tim, what did we learn? Well, uh, the the the. The focus, I guess, that I've seen uh, of most note goes back to what we were talking about to begin with, and that's interest rates. And what does that mean for the market? Now, you take a step back, that then begs the question about inflation. And it's, and it's a funny thing. There, no doubt, is an ongoing lingering impact of the weak pound on UK inflation that takes some time to work through. Um, and to the degree that that's a focus, it's, it's pretty classic because that's yesterday's news. The pound is a strong currency now. It's second only to the euro on a trade-weighted basis. If you look on a year-on-year basis, up about 7%. That inflationary pressure that is part of that conversation is gone. The real focus is what's going on with a broad-based recovery, low unemployment, and uh, you know global and European synchronized growth that can feed through commodity prices, oil prices, and general uh, employment. All right. Get your notes ready because in the next block I want to talk about Carney's comments, the UK economy, and also how Brexit plays into this. He did talk about Brexit today and the effect that's having on the UK economy. We will continue on the cable. Charlie Peloton for Jonathan Farrow on a Tuesday here. United States stocks, they are selling off European equities lower as well. FTSE 100 having a down day here, down 1.1%. This is the cable on DAB. This is The Cable with Jonathan Farrow on Bloomberg Radio. And I'm so eager. I hear this music. I get pumped up. I was going to make some snarky comment about let's get music from the OOs or even this generation. And all of a sudden I hear that uh, uh, I hear this song. uh, Oh, what a lady. What a night. Taking us back to 1963. I love that song. It always gets me pumped up. But uh, markets not pumped up today. We are looking at losses across the board here. The Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ in the United States. Frankie Valley, the four seasons there. Uh, We have got European equities low across the board here. As we mentioned, the FTSE 100 down 1.1%. Mark Carney going before the UK Parliament's Economic Affairs Committee today. Christine Aquino, any market reaction to anything that Carney had to say today? Well, markets have been relatively sanguine in reaction to Carney's testimony today, largely because a lot of the things that he's saying in front of the committee, uh, he's already said before, uh, the last time he appeared before the committee was in November, and so there's been uh, a bit of a gap in between, and so he's had a lot of opportunities to kind of make his points. Um, you know, the, the questions that really stood out to me from the testimony were discussions on why the BOE is still struggling to meet its inflation target, given that inflation inflation has uh, uh, off uh, offshoot the inf- the BOE's target to the upsides it's about 3% now versus the BOE's 2% target and you know some explanations there regarding the exchange rate pass through still being felt in the inflation markets as Carney was pointing out and you know that's something that he's still continuing to watch um, given that the BOE expectations for policy from here on out are for higher rates from here on yeah, Tim, what, what was his assessment of the U.K. economy, and, and how did Brexit play into that? Well, I mean, broadly speaking, the U.K. UK economy is, is doing 
fine, thank you very much. You know, I think many would say surprisingly so. Uh, employment has continued to improve. Um, uh, the Brexit issue is one of of what's the impact on confidence going forward? Is there progress that can be made or is made in coming months that that precludes uh, companies from making contingency plans real. Um, that said, you know there are, there are still a couple of, of soft spots that are developing. Um, look at auto sales as a case in point. Um, and, and generally speaking, you know the consumer is not as robust as as business, and uh, you know that's going to continue to be a key uh, a key watch point. Now, Christine, what Carney had to say about the economy is there a disconnect with what people on High Street are feeling versus what Carney is saying about the economy? Is it perhaps a, a perception that maybe things are worse for the everyday man and woman? woman in the United Kingdom? Carly, Carney definitely still sounds quite cautious on the consumer part of the economy, which is you know a big driving force in the UK, which is understandable because he doesn't want to sound uh, too hawkish on that front lest people start thinking that maybe the BOE will make a policy mistake and hike rates too early. But um, on the other hand, as, as Tim said, the you know, recent indicators that we've seen, for instance, GDP and the wages data that we saw last week all surprised to the upside. And so there is the sense that maybe the worst is over uh, in terms of pricing in Brexit and the possible impact of that. Even Carney, by his own admission, said that the BOE perhaps maybe overestimated the impact of Brexit because, as we've seen, the economic numbers have been a little bit better than what the BOE initially forecast in the aftermath of the vote. Tim, very briefly here, only about 30 seconds left, but if you just put on your, 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 your walking around hat as you're walking around London, walking around cities in the UK, what's your sense about uh, how the average man or woman is faring? Things actually feel pretty good. Stores are busy, streets are busy, um, trains are busy. Uh, it, you know, there is not uh, an overt you know, concern about uh, Armageddon with Brexit, uh, which, again, continues to be one of those things that surprises, although we have to keep in mind we actually haven't had Brexit yet. Um, so it's it's one of those talking points, but things feel pretty good in the, in the meantime. All right. When we continue, I want to talk about some other headwinds potentially for the U.K. economy. We'll let you get uh, uh, get ready for that. Also, too, obviously going to be talking about earnings. Uh, our guests right here on The Cable, Tim Craighead, Senior European Strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence, Christine Aquino, Markets Live blog editor in London. They're watching the markets. And again, red on the screen here, the 10-year, 2.71%. The Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ, all trading lower. A down day for the FTSE 100. This is Bloomberg. This is The Cable with Jonathan Farrow on Bloomberg Radio. And Jonathan Farrow on an airplane right now. He is heading back to uh, beautiful Newark, or JFK airports uh, from the United Kingdom. Charlie Pellet uh, in one more day for Jonathan Farrow. He returns tomorrow. Uh, we are focusing right now on a number of different topics. Been talking about Brexit, and we have been talking uh, about Mark Carney's testimony. Want to talk uh, in the remaining few minutes that we have here a little more about Brexit, but also, too, about the outlook for earnings. Tim Craighead with a senior European strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence, uh, Christine Aquino, Markets Live blog editor in London. Let us begin with the view from 35 thousand feet uh, as we think of Jonathan Farrow and then we'll move in perhaps a little more specifically uh, Tim Craighead looking ahead to earnings big picture what do we expect over the next several weeks big picture is we should get a 
pretty good dose of earnings results that really get cranked up uh, tomorrow and solidly next week in Europe, um, after about a third of the companies in the S&P 500 have already reported in the States. We're looking at about 5% revenue growth, uh, about 11% earnings growth in total. Uh, a lot of that should be driven by some of the commodity plays that are still benefiting from year-on-year -year rebounds, and it will leave the question for 2018 with management guidance on what about consumer discretionary? What about industrials? What about financials that should be plays on a stronger economy, which is all about where we go from here. And Christine Aquino, specific companies that we can expect in the next couple of days. What are you looking forward to? What are you excited about? What are traders excited about? Well, I was just asking Tim about this, and you know, over by Markets Live, we're always looking for kind of the the big companies and banks make up a large component of the companies reporting, and you know, it says a lot about just the health of the economy and also the impact from the macroeconomic picture of inter interest rates and growth and how that's impacting uh, real companies such as banks, and so that would be something that would be on my radar as well, especially as the discussion of uh, policy normalization, both at the ECB and the BOE, takes root. Yeah, and reporting the numbers is one thing. Uh, what people are expecting heading into the reports is a completely different picture. Tim, big picture, what, what are expectations like ahead of this quarter? Well, it's, in general, I think if, if, you, if you look beyond those broad perspectives of of um, uh, the the five percent, eleven percent, and dig down into sectors, dig down into into uh, into to countries. Um, you know, yeah, there's that rebound in the commodities, um, but we need to see if if the interest rate uptick plays into net interest margin forecasts as we go forward. Uh, how much impact do we see in terms of? currency, which, you know, as we alluded to before, is a big headwind. Um, and I think, you know, one of the notes we put out this morning was essentially looking at uh, the, the battle royale between uh, the PMI and currency. You know, PMI is strong. Global growth is strong. That should play through in terms of good top line, good margin expansion, even better earnings. Uh, but you got to offset that to a degree uh, with currency, with, you know, Europe, you know, big cap stock 600, you know, about 30% of revenues come from Asia and Americas. And in the UK, it's an even higher percentage. And so they do have that headwind that they've got to be able to deal with. Yeah, Christine, when it comes to this quarter's earnings, is Brexit an old story? Is that already priced in? Or will you be sifting through the earnings reports, listening on conference calls for what companies are saying about how Brexit is affecting and has affected their quarter and indeed their outlook? Well, Charlie, you know, I think at this point, Brexit seems like an old tune. Um, it wouldn't be surprising for companies to essentially blame Brexit if the results aren't so good, because there is some tendency for companies to kind of pin it on the bigger picture if things aren't going so well internally. But for the most part, it does seem like, you know, a lot of it's already been priced in. And arguably for some companies that are more kind of internationally focused, the weaker pound has actually proven to be a bit of a windfall. Uh, and so, yeah, I feel like at this point in time, Brexit's kind of a part of the past and more focus now is going to be on company fundamentals moving forward. Yeah, Tim, does Christine have it right? Is it a, a, a non-story? Yeah, I think to a degree uh, it, it is. Uh, the next point of reference uh, isn't right now. It's going to be 
you know, later in the first quarter, in second quarter, if we ever get around to actually having substantive uh, trade discussions. And then it will revive back into, are we going to have a deal? Do contingency plans have to get pulled, et cetera? And in the meantime, we go from weak currency windfall, as Christine referred to, you know, a year ago in the last several quarters, and we go to a currency headwind because things are actually okay. Yeah. And then speaking of okay, when it comes to the economy, things are a little bit better than okay. How would you characterize the European economy and what does that bode, uh, what does that suggest for the uh, the earnings outlook? Well, the, the the economy, if you if you look at key indicators, I had mentioned the PMI a, a moment ago, they're at all-time records. Um, now, that's a diffusion index, so it means a lot of people are saying things are good. It doesn't necessarily mean that a few people are saying things are great. So, you know, we, we would characterize the economy as, uh, as a broad expansion with not a massive magnitude, uh, which, frankly, is a good thing from the standpoint of the sustainability of where economic growth might go. Um, our forecast is for things to be stable to decelerating a little bit, and that leaves that leaves a good headroom for companies to perform well if they execute. Uh, Christine, only about 30 seconds left. you got to love this time of the year. Anytime we head into earnings, I, I don't know about you guys, but I live for this stuff. I mean, all right, I live for the jobs report uh, in the U.S., but I just love quarterly earnings. There's always There's so much news. It comes so fast, and it's so important for our customers. Oh, absolutely, Charlie. I'm right there with you. So I will be setting my alarm clock really early because a lot of these numbers come out early and I'll be watching them right there with you. All right. Uh, Christine, thank you so much for speaking with us. Markets Live uh, blog editor in London, Tim Craighead, senior European strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence. Always a delight, always a pleasure having you guys on. Uh, and you, they, they talk about such a number of topics, whether it's uh, Brexit or Mark Carney or the outlook for the, uh, uh, for the UK economy or earnings. They've got it all covered. So do we right here on The Cable. Charlie Peloton for Jonathan Farrell. Thank you for joining us. Coming up, uh, we're going to shift gears, focus a little more on the United States and President Trump. What will we get tonight when he delivers his State of the Union address, his first? What kind of President Trump are we going to see? Right now, we have got stocks lower across the board. FTSE 100 down now by 1.1%. This is The Cable on DAB. This is The Cable with Jonathan Farrow on Bloomberg Radio. And we are back as The Cable continues on a Tuesday here. Charlie Peloton for Jonathan Farrow. He is literally winging his way back to the United uh, back to the United States from the UK as we speak. He uh, takes back the program tomorrow. But right now, uh, we are going to be talking about what is happening in the United States. Big deal for a lot of busy, busy week. Lots going on. We have got that jobs report Friday, uh, a Fed decision coming up tomorrow. And of course, the State of the Union tonight. Joining us now to talk about the State of the Union and the potential implications there. Dave Wilson, Markets Live blogger, stocks editor for Bloomberg, Michael McKee, international economics and policy correspondent for Bloomberg. Uh, lots to watch tonight, Michael McKee. And is it a fair question to ask whether we will be seeing an on-script President Trump tonight? But I suppose the answer is there's no way of knowing until it's all said and done. Well, I think it's a fair question. I think, yes, we will see an on-script President Trump tonight. The question is, does that matter? Uh, it was an on-script 
President Trump, who gave a, an address, it wasn't called State of the Union, addressed to a joint session of Congress last year. And two days later, he started tweeting about Obama spying on him in Trump Tower. So it's not what he does tonight that people will remember. It's how he comports himself the rest of the time. Here's the case for an on-script President Trump tonight, and that was the speech in Davos. Does that perhaps suggest what we may be getting tonight? Well, I think it suggests some of the content. He'll talk about trade and how it's been unfair and it's hurt America and suggest he's going to take action. I don't I have not seen any guidance that would say he's going to announce actions, but say that, you know, we're watching closely and doing it. And, you know, it, it, he is a television performer. Uh, that was his job before he uh, got into politics. And so he certainly can read a teleprompter. And uh, I would expect that uh, that's what we'll get tonight. All right. So infrastructure widely uh, said to be one of the big topics tonight. Uh, uh, Michael McKee, think he'll be talking about the stock market tonight, what's happening yesterday and today? <laughs> I doubt he'll talk about what's happened yesterday and today. I think he will talk about what has happened since he was elected in the rise in the stock market. He, he conflates the rise in the stock market with the economy, uh, to a certain extent, uh, if you get more money uh, in your stock portfolio, you might spend more, although it tends to be highly concentrated among the wealthy. Um, and so it, it isn't a, a good proxy for the economy, but it certainly become a uh, it replaces the polls. The polls are not good for Donald Trump, but the, the stock market is a poll of, of Wall Street and they like him. Yeah, and Dave Wilson, speaking of the stock market, look at that. Red on the screen right now, S&P down by 1%. What is going on with the U.S. markets today? Well, you've got something like more normal behavior is really what you have going on. You know, consider this, Charlie. It's been 400 trading days. So basically, if you were to put that on the calendar, like a year and a half since the S&P 500 has fallen 5% from a peak. I mean, it's been a while since we've even seen back-to-back -back declines like we've had yesterday and today. So what's unusual is the behavior kind of leading up to what we're seeing now, not the behavior we're seeing. The one thing, and, and the folks at the Bespoke Investment, among others, point this out, because we've had such a benign market for so long, you get a couple of days like you've had, and people kind of react more than they would have otherwise if things were more normal. You had a higher level of volatility. You saw more frequent day-to-day -day swings. And so that may be, as much as anything, what's interesting in this latest move down. I, I, Go can ahead, I just ask you, Dave, a quick question? Because I, I was actually wondering about this today. How long has it been since we've had a correction, a 10% move? Even longer than that. I mean, consider, you know, you have to go back before the presidential election to even see 5%, which some people would define as a market dip. It's been even longer since we've had that correction. So, again, that sort of speaks to the point that we've been living in unusual times in the U.S. stock market. And what we're seeing now is a, a bit of normalcy, you might say. Yeah, this is what is so interesting to me, Michael McKee. The president tying his political fortunes to how well the stock market is doing anyway. Anybody who is remotely connected to tell you to, to markets will tell you that markets go up, markets go down, and sometimes markets go down big time. And and when they start to go down and it gets into the public uh, consciousness, then they tend to go a little farther as uh, the the public overreacts. What I thought was interesting today, Dave, is um, the consumer confidence numbers, the percentage of people who think the stock market is going to go up, and these are your retail buyers, is the highest in history. And that 
uh, a lot of people would probably say is, but time to bail out if 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 uh, the shoe shine boy is giving you advice. Yeah, a couple of uh, notes I've seen have kind of pointed out that particular indicator as well. And the whole thought is that if everyone's optimistic, they've done their buying and there's not a whole lot of demand left. And considering how long it's been that stocks have been moving up, you can sort of understand why. Yeah, and and in terms of that five percent number you were talking about uh, today, we're off by just about one percent. Yesterday, down uh, seven tenths of one percent. We have we have still got a way to go before we see a five percent drop for this uh, U.S. stock market. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at the S and P five hundred this year; it's still up more than five percent. So even with the last couple of days, we're just sort of giving back what had been some relatively substantial gains for the start of a year. Yeah, Michael McKee, infrastructure is going to be the big story tonight. It's going to be uh, the biggest. Um, sort of uh, legislative proposal the president makes. Uh, Nobody is giving it much chance of getting adopted this year. I suppose there's a small chance, but they can't do it like taxes uh, with reconciliation where they would only need a majority vote. And there's no money left in the till because they're spending so much on the tax cuts and on uh, defense this year. And to get defense through, they're going to have to spend more on domestic uh, issues. So uh, they haven't got the funding for it. And there's a lot of disagreement over how they're going to do it and it's an election year and the democrats aren't going to want to give the republicans any kind of victory so uh, most analysts are saying not going to happen in the u.s this year whether you are a democrat whether you are a republican and independent everybody agrees our infrastructure needs help there's no question about that. i flew into laguardia last night and i can tell you from personal experience although they are rebuilding the airport and 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 i travel on new jersey transit day in and day out (laughs) the same issue and you would love a nice big tunnel wouldn't you oh sure uh, but 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 it, you know if everybody's in favor of it then it raises the question why isn't it happening why is it so difficult and there's no question or maybe there is Michael about the economic benefits down the road well there's no question about the economic benefits but you you had your uh, you had the exact right phrase down the road uh, everybody wants something right now and the idea of investing in something in which there isn't an immediate payoff is much harder to do especially when money is going to be as tight the deficit's going to start rising significantly again. Uh, And there's not a definition of exactly how you do this, whether it's um, public-private partnerships as the White House would like. A lot of people say, well, you know, that's great if you sell off an airport, but it's not going to fix a rural bridge in Indiana. Uh, So uh, a lot of questions about how you would do it. And the payoff isn't as obvious. Uh, if you fix the bus system in Pittsburgh, you know, how, how do you make money on that? You don't. It's a public good that helps the economy of Pittsburgh. But does the taxpayer in Alabama want to pay for that? Well, uh, part of the argument there is that if people are getting to work on time, they're more productive. That helps employers. And ultimately, that will help the economy. So that would be the argument for, for getting things working. Well, you go back Pittsburgh. to Eisenhower in the 50s with the highways. Sure. Uh, I mean, he sold the public on it. Can Donald Trump sell the public on you know a, a specific plan? Uh, open question. Yeah. And I like driving 65 on wide open highways. And I think most Americans do too. Uh, coming up when we continue, we're going to talk a little bit more about the State of the Union. We've got Dave Wilson with us. Uh, markets live blogger stocks editor for bloomberg it is a down day he's having fun today going to be talking about some of the infrastructure stocks michael mckee international economics and policy correspondent for bloom he covers it all whether it's nafta whether it's state of the union michael mckee is everywhere here on bloomberg and uh we will talk more with the two of them coming up in a moment the dow the s p nasdaq all declining right now down day in europe uh can't find one country that is higher right now FTSE 100 down uh, by 1.1 percent this is the cable on DAB. This is The Cable with Jonathan Farrow on Bloomberg Radio. 
And we are back. Charlie Paladin for Jonathan Farrow. He returns tomorrow, uh, enjoying his time off the Dow. The S&P, NASDAQ in the United States, all declining right now. Uh, looking at a 340-point drop in the Dow, down 1.3%. S&P down 29, down 1%. NASDAQ down 66, down 9 tenths of 1%. And as we mentioned, uh, European stocks lower across the board. FTSE 100 down 1.1%. CAC Caron in Paris down 9 tenths of 1%. DAX in Germany lower now by 1%. So it is a, a down day. Uh, We have got uh, the State of the Union address uh, coming up tonight. Infrastructure widely expected to be front and center. Dave Wilson, our Markets Live blogger with us, and Michael McKee, international economics and policy correspondent for Bloomberg. Infrastructure stocks, uh, are we seeing any specific movement today as a result uh, in anticipation of what the president may say tonight, Dave? We haven't seen all that much. And bear in mind, this idea of an infrastructure plan has been kicking around for some time. So, You would figure that if investors were relatively confident that something was going to happen, that they would have perhaps done their buying already. Uh, It'll be a matter of kind of seeing where we are tomorrow once the speech is done and the reviews are in, you know, to get a better sense of, you know, what kinds of companies might be affected. You know, you think about some of the contractors out there, a company like a Jacobs Engineering or, uh, you know, raw material suppliers, you know, steel maker, new core, depending on the type of projects they're talking about. Or uh, if you think about roads, there's uh, Vulcan materials, there's Martin Marietta materials. So there's some very specific company names you can look at. It's just a matter of, you know, how much faith people have in, in the idea that whatever uh, President Trump talks about is actually going to go anywhere. Yeah, I was going to say there's got to be an ETF for that instantly. I type in on the Bloomberg infrastructure ETF, up comes the iShares global infrastructure ETF. So right. presumably that's another one to keep an eye on. Yeah, tomorrow. a bit tricky, though, because if you go through that, a lot of that is utilities here in the U.S., which eh, maybe they're part of the mix, maybe not so much when you think about the focus really being on roads and bridges and airports and those kind of projects. Yeah, Michael McKee, the answer has to be, I don't know, but likely to be market reaction tomorrow based on anything that the president will say in terms of the, econo- uh, in terms of the economy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I would guess not. He's going to obviously tout his economic accomplishments. Um, But as Dave says, much of what he's talked about doing has already been out there for so long that uh, you you can't imagine, uh, uh, unless he, he comes up with some surprise or a mistake, in the same way that uh, Secretary Mnuchin uh, oopsed on the dollar last week in Davos, if he says something like that, you could have a market reaction. But I don't think that... Uh, I, there, there's nothing. There's no surprise out there other than that, or something in foreign policy that would uh, get people excited. Yeah. Dave, Dave Wilson, you you begin very early around here. I know you have a long commute. Will you be up tonight watching that? I mean, is this must-watch television tonight? No, I'll radio? be keeping an eye on things. Maybe I'll be looking at headlines as opposed yeah. to staring at my screen for the entire hour and uh, you know watching it either on television or on the web. But you have to have an idea what's going on. If right. nothing else, you're talking about a president setting an agenda for. You know, a rather substantial country, let's put it that way. So you have to pay attention from that perspective. But beyond that, it's really a matter, again, of what unfolds from there and what are the issues that uh, the administration is going to have to deal with as it tries to get its proposals. Yeah, you can always Congress. read the transcript the next day. Uh, no, that's no fun because watching it or <laughs> listening to it on the radio, I mean, I know the wife uh, and the kid, we're going to be sitting around tonight, beer and popcorn, not for the kid, but certainly for me. And uh, I mean, uh, this this is, you know, it's like the Super Bowl for us watching this tonight. I mean, really, it's a big deal. Well, there's certainly going to be um, 
showbiz aspects to it. Of course, uh, this president loves the spotlight, so I'm sure he'll be uh, very happy walking down the aisle uh, up to the podium. There are enormous numbers of guests that members of Congress and the White House are inviting, uh, more than I have ever seen, so there'll be a lot of focus on that. And then, of course, everybody wants to know who sits, who stands, who applauds, and who has a sour face. Uh, and, And not only that, Michael McKeon, this is a question I want to have you guys answer in the next block. Will the president get booed tonight? I, I don't recall that's something that I've ever seen in a State of the Union, but will the president get booed? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Next block, though, want to talk about health care in the United States. Some big names getting involved with big ideas. How does that change the debate? And look at those stocks. Some of the health care providers today, insurance companies, Aetna, uh, Cigna, Anthem, CVS, Express Scripts, they're all lower. We'll talk about that in just a moment. This is The Cable on DAB. This is The Cable with Jonathan Farrow on Bloomberg Radio. And we are back. Charlie Pellet uh, in for Jonathan Farrow. He returns tomorrow. We are here with Michael McKee, international economics and policy correspondent for Bloomberg. Dave Wilson, Markets Live blogger, stocks editor for Bloomberg. As we watch U.S. stocks sell off today with the S&P down 1.1%. 28.23, that uh, comes back to back with yesterday's decline. The S&P uh, down one, uh, the uh, Dow down 1.4%. Uh, now close to the worst level of the day, down 360 points. NASDAQ down uh, just about 1%. And we have got the uh, 10-year, the yield there, 2.71%. Briefly, back to the State of the Union, because I do want to get to health care, some big names there. But Michael McKee, tonight, how likely is it that we might see perhaps booze for President Trump during the State of the Union address? I don't think so. I I think that would be a a bridge too far for uh, members of Congress, even if they don't like him. I've never heard that. Um, The only thing I can think of, Similar to that was in 2009 when uh, South Carolina's representative, uh, Joe Wilson, a Republican, uh, got up when uh, Barack Obama was giving his uh, State of the Union address and yelled, you lie. Uh, And he was uh, censured for that. So I I don't think people will go that far. The the Democrats will certainly sit on their hands. You won't see a lot of applause on that side of the House. Uh, The only reason I ask is because going back to Davos last week, he did get booed. Well, he said uh, he he brought up the fake news thing and... um, uh, the businessmen didn't like that, and there was some booing. But that's also in Davos, in a you know arena. It's not a, on the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives in the Capitol, where we're supposed to be dignified. And I, I think th- there will be polite politeness, uh, even if not enthusiasm. All right, fair enough. We came in this morning to a major story here in the United States, all about health care. Warren Buffett, Jeff Bezos, Jamie Dimon, they have got a plan to start an independent firm to manage health care services. Dave Wilson, part of what amazed me with this is that I hadn't heard any leaks. I hadn't heard any source stories, not according to people familiar with. This sort of came out of nowhere, and it is a big deal. It is. I mean, that said, there was a lot of speculation that Amazon was going to be getting into the drug business, that they were going for pharmacy licenses. So it's not you know, unprecedented to have their name pop up in the discussion. This idea of three of the largest U.S. employers getting together and basically saying, we're going to cut out the middleman, that's definitely different. And it's really having a ripple effect across the industry, whether you look at health insurers or 
or drug benefit managers or drug distributors or pharmacy chains. They're all taking hits in today's trading. I mean, when it comes to my Walgreens boots, because they operate on both sides of the Atlantic, uh, that stock's down almost 5% in response to the plans that uh, Jeff Bezos at Amazon and Warren Buffett at Berkshire Hathaway and Jamie Dimon at J.P. Morgan have cooked up in terms of getting together and you know combining their their forces in essence. And and by the way, when you run through the numbers, you find out that worldwide these companies have 1.2 million workers combined. Now you figure most of that's probably in the U.S. So you're talking several hundred thousand that would be eligible for this plan. These are the kinds of numbers you got to pay attention to. Well, Michael McKee, why is this a big deal, either in terms of the economy or what what it represents for healthcare? Well, healthcare is a big deal. It's uh, almost 20 percent of GDP uh, what we spend on healthcare, and we spend much more. Uh, than any other country for the same amount of care. And so uh, for uh, obvious reasons, <laughs> business has a, a very vested interest in trying to bring down their costs. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure all of the market reaction is based on uh, the uh, on, on the the way the the these companies are looking at it. I'm sure some people are saying well you know it's Jeff Bezos Amazon they want to get into selling medicines and things like that I think this is not a revenue thing they say it's a nonprofit company this is a cost control expense thing now that'll help their margins uh, and and certainly invest on them on that on that basis but um, what they're trying to do is find a way to keep the rapid increase in health care costs under control uh, it's uh, Healthcare costs have risen about twice what the CPI in the U.S. has risen over the last five, ten years. Quick anecdote. My dermatologist gave me a prescription to fill, a little tube of cream to put on my hands. I went in, got the prescription filled last night. The, 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 uh, the pharmacist said, do you have any questions? And I said, I was curious. I said, what is the list price on this medication? Because I was getting it with a roughly 10-pound copay. The answer was it was close to 1,000 pounds. 1200 bucks for, for this tube of, of whatever it is. That is just staggering. And I have to guess this is like buying a car where you've got the list price and the real price, whether it's like buying an airplane yeah. ticket, uh, you know, there's the price that businesses play, uh, pay, prices that individuals pay. But something has got to be done. I can't imagine what is in that tube that's close to the <laughs> price of an ounce of gold. We, we have no controls on prices. It's basically up to the drug companies. And that uh, there's been a lot of criticism when they expanded Medicare, the uh, insurance uh, program for old age uh, medical care. Uh, they made prescription drugs uh, covered under that, but said that the Medicare uh, people could not negotiate the price of the drugs. Well, of course, uh, you know, if, if the insurance company's paying for it and nobody's going to tell you what it should cost, if you're a pharmaceutical maker, you're going to charge whatever you think you can get. Um, uh, Dave, the, the drop that I'm looking at in, in companies like Cigna and Anthem and CVS and Express Scripts, what is the market saying today about the odds of this ever becoming reality? Well, they're saying that something's going to happen and it's not going to help the industry. Look at it this way. You're talking about the potential for hundreds of thousands of workers to come out of the current system, at least in some degree, depending on how this nonprofit company operates. So 
That's what it's saying, that there's going to be change afoot and it's going to be a real issue for these kinds of companies. They may be doing less business. They may be under more pressure to to trim prices. We know certainly that President Trump has talked about that before, the whole idea of having the government negotiate with the drug companies uh, You know, in terms of the Medicare program. The point that was Mike was just making it has, has come up more than once. So, you know, it's a matter of where does the industry go from here? And people know how Amazon is affected retailing already. So the idea that they're part of this, I mean, it gets your attention because who knows what could happen in terms of health care. I'm All imagining right. gall, gallbladder surgery on an Amazon page at a discount. Love it. Gentlemen, thank you so much. We are out of time. Our thanks to our wonderful engineer producer, Caroline O'Brien, taking care of all the technical chores for us. Charlie Paladin for Jonathan Farrell again. Jonathan, back tomorrow. U.S. markets lower across the board. Coming up top of the hour, we'll recap the markets. And also Dave Wilson uh, will bring us up to date on American Depository Receipts. This is The Cable on Bloomberg DAB. Bloomberg DAB.